Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com and follow us on Facebook as well. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Tammy Leland, co-founder and international program director of Crooked Trails. Crooked Trails is a nonprofit, community-based travel organization helping people broaden their understanding of the planet and its diverse cultures through education, community development, and responsible travel. Tammy has studied the environmental, cultural, and economic impacts of travel and has worked in a variety of positions related to education and the environment. Tammy currently spends most of her time in South America. Tammy Leland, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you very much, Steve. Well, tell us how you kind of came to this intersection of education, environment, community building, and travel. Well, I spent a lot of time throughout my years traveling as a youth and uh, continue. I started when I was 16 traveling around the world and just doing it for fun and getting out there and playing and seeing the world. And the more I spent time traveling, I started to... getting into more remote areas, and uh, I, I'm a big mountain climber, so I spend a lot of time in smaller communities. And one of the things that I realized as I was traveling through communities is that the tourist industry in so many of the countries was um, involved in indigenous community areas, but the indigenous people were never involved in tourism itself. They often became exploited as a marketing tool for tourism or People were using their land for tourism, and so we started thinking about how could we get more community members, how many indigenous people involved in tourism if they wanted to, so that they had the opportunity to interact with other travelers and benefit from you know tourism in their countries. And at the time, I was in grad school and met my business partner, Chris Mackay, who also is one of the co-founders, and she was kind of thinking the same thing because she'd just gotten back from a world tour. And so we started talking about the impacts of tourism and how they were affecting indigenous peoples and the environment and uh, the economies of countries and how we could create a tourism that was a little bit more responsible and beneficial to the, the local people. And that's kind of where it all began. It kind of organically grew out of our master's program. I ended up doing my thesis work on it. And uh, we started working in Thailand the next year. What was that last part, Tammy? I missed what you meant by that. Yeah, we our for after we finished up grad school and uh, finished up the process of thinking about creating a product that would allow people to have a deeper and mean, more meaningful experience in an indigenous community, we started our first program. We started working in was in Thailand, up in the hill tribe communities of Thailand with the the minorities up there. Oh, great! Can you tell us a couple stories about what happened on that trip? Well, it's always interesting, you know. I, we the, the first few years of Crooked Trail's life, we started, um, you know, offering our program, saying, "Hey, come with us. There's this amazing opportunity to have this cultural exchange with some indigenous and ethnic minorities up in Thailand." And of course, when you're first starting out, as you always know, it's always your friends. You have to get excited about joining you. So we got a great group of people together for our first trip, and we just visited and stayed in the homes of various uh, different tribes up in the northern Thailand area. And uh, there are some pretty funny stories that come out of it. It just 
to highlight, you know, the differences in culture. I remember one time we're all sitting around in a huge group and um, talking with the, the local people and our group sitting there. And one of the, the headmen of the community said to us, he said, you know, I know that you came over here, that you're, that you live very far away and that there's a gigantic body of water between the two of us. And um, I know that you came in one of those airplanes because they've seen airplanes fly over their communities before. And, the, and they said, but what we really want to know is how did you know how much gas to put in the airplane to get here? And it was a <laughs> profound moment for all of us thinking, wow, we're all so incredibly different people. And the idea of explaining commercial travel to a community who's never experienced anything close to that, all of a sudden we realized the wonderful exchange that we were about ready to have. There were several other moments like that of just asking questions. You know, we're always amazed at how they live their lives, and they're always amazed at how we live our lives. We laugh a lot um, talking about the differences and how we you know, treat animals and how we animals become part of our homes and things like that. So it's it's very interactive kind of travel. Have you taken uh, groups of people that are all different ages, intergenerational groups, family groups? Oh, absolutely. Um, we work with a lot of different generational groups. We have a lot of family programs. As a matter of fact, that's our most largest growing sector of cricket trails right now is because a lot of family members want to get their kids overseas to experience this kind of travel. They want them to see something that's different than what they're already used to at home. So um, I, we get a lot of families calling us, and, and they are intergenerational. We get grandmothers and grandpas coming with their grandchildren. Sometimes they come alone with their grandchildren or their moms and dads come, and everybody gets involved in doing some kind of volunteer service work in the community no matter what the age. We have a program that's designed just for people who still want to travel even if they have babies. Both myself and the co-founder had children recently, so we travel a lot with our own kids um, and lead the, the groups with our children so that a lot of families feel really great about coming along with kids that way. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. So how, can you tell us a little bit how the trails works in terms of if somebody is looking for this kind of experience, what does that look like? How does it work? Yeah, we initially started Crooked Trails with an opportunity for anybody to get involved who wanted to get involved. So what we did was we created um, what we call open programs. And they're scheduled programs um, to scheduled destinations with you know set dates. And they're all on our website and people can go there and and look at it based on when do they have the opportunity to travel or what country most intrigues them the most or what community is, has always been of interest to them to visit and um, choose just to sign up as one individual on one of those open programs so you don't have to be part of a group to be able to go. Uh, we also do customized travel for anybody who's interested in, in going and having this kind of experience because of the close relationships that we have with the communities. I mean, they're really like family. We, someone could call us with a family of six that wanted to travel and say, hey, we really want to have this kind of experience with our family. Could you set something up? And we would just be in touch with our community members and say, we've got a family that would love to visit and we'll set up an experience just for them as well. So there's a couple of ways you can do it if you're an individual or if you want to go as a, your, create your own group, that's fine too. Now, this 
a lot of times our programs involve community service or volunteer service, and that's a means for a cultural exchange that's really deep, but it also provides an enormous benefit to the community. So um, we, a lot of people, that's part of what they want to do now, volunteer community service and in travel is growing in the industry. And so we get a lot of requests for families or single groups that just want to go and do some service in a community. Well, um, I know that you don't have to have a de- definition of play or creativity to create or play. So, likewise, I, I know you don't have to have a definition of community-based travel to travel, but I wonder what your definition of community-based travel is. Well, we we do have a little bit of a definition, only in the terms of that the term community-based travel 15 years ago when we were getting started with this didn't even exist. Um, it's kind of... a a up and growing term and I don't know if anybody's defined it really well but the way we like to define it is is um it's a lot of people think of it as ecotourism meaning that we're not going to harm the environment or the people that we're working with but the next step is community based tourism is that all the control and all the decision making is in the hands of the local people so we don't do make any decisions about what we're going to do when we're in the community, how we're going to, how many times we come, what it's going to cost us. The community does that themselves. And to be participating in this kind of tourism, they form usually a committee and come up with saying, you know, we don't want people coming during our most sacred ceremonies or here's the houses we want people staying in and this is what we'd like to share. We've got this work project we really need done. And so they make all the decisions. So our definition of community-based tourism is based on the fact that the community makes the decisions about their own lives and what's going to happen with it, to them based in a tourism setting. Great. And so can you give us an example from one of the communities about how that decision-making took place and then what was the, and then what the first trip was like? <clears throat> Yeah, and we've learned a lot over the years about how to work with community. It's very different, and you have to let go a lot on your end of, of uh, certain judgments, ideas, and um, expectations and just be open-minded and willing to experience and learn. And so we've let the community decide, but it's been it's been difficult for them too. They've never had anybody in their homes. They've never had anybody around them all the time. And, of course, like us, if somebody came to our home and we'd never met them before, we'd want to please them. So we'd want to cook our best food and and look our best and put on our best clothes. And and the community members are no different. They want to please and, and, you know, make sure their their guests are well taken care of and, and the interesting thing about that is that, you know, a lot of our participants that come on our program feel like, oh, they, I don't want them waiting on me hand and foot. I just want to be there. But as if anybody came to your own home, you would do the same thing. And we have to remind Americans that, you know, don't feel like you're, you know, that this is, you know, someone serving you. They're they're excited that you're there. And so... Over the years, for example, in the Andean highlands of Peru, we've been working with this community for 10 years. When we first started working with them, they were very shy people and very formal and, you know, it was handshakes and 
and very respectful, you know, ways of speaking, and they were nervous. And in particular, the women wouldn't speak at all. They generally would stand behind their men, and they would help with the services, but they wouldn't be involved. And the amazing change that's come, and they did this on their own, they made all the decisions on their own, is that the women stepped up over time and said, we want to be more involved. I want to guide some of the people on hikes. I want to... I want to interact in in the community circles and talk about life and you know and they've stood up. I, I remember sitting around in a gigantic circle with a whole bunch of the community members, men and women, and the women have never stood up to say goodbye speeches to us. And I remember the very first time that one of the women had the guts, the courage to stand up in the group and and tell how much she appreciated the experience and you know it was a pr- pretty emotional moment you know tears were going down my cheek for sure but all of our participants were pretty uh impressed by her courage and uh, and now they're they're just they're just so much fun because now they've let down their guard and want to play and, and laugh and interact and it's 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 hugs and kisses now as opposed to formal handshakes and and I think that some of, you know, they're feeling more comfortable. So the decision-making process of what they share and how they do things has changed over time for sure. Thank you. Thank you. You really made that all come alive. <laughs> Appreciate it. I asked you what had changed, and you shared it already with that great story. So thank you. <laughs> uh, I want to shift the, the conversation a little bit to the, the travel industry, I guess, in, in general, and, and then the piece of it that you guys focus on particularly and and how you think about it as part of the creative economy or and or creative community building. I, I know in some states, tourism and travel is often viewed as part of the creative community development or the creative economy development in a state, um, and, and you engage in it both as a, as a business in this country as well as when you're customers are actually in the places that they go to and the creativity that happens there. So I'm just wondering how you sort of pull those pieces together in terms of of creativity as part of creative community building. Well, I mean, it certainly plays an enormous role um, in being creative and how we not only act with, react with our participants back home, but how we do that with on our programs when we're overseas. Um, again, all of this has come so organically for us. We've learned a lot about how this kind of travel has enormous change for people on both sides. And um, and we've had to really, you know, be very creative in the way that we think about how we um, can deal with some of these these, these big, enormous uh, differences in the kind of tourism that we're talking about. It's... Um, you know, it's easy to go on a typical mass tourism trip by, you know, just booking into it and you go see all the standard spots that everybody else sees um, and you follow the same schedule. But that That's pretty worked out. But when you're going into a community, it can be different every time and you don't know um, what's going to happen. And so we have to be very you know, open with the people who participate in our programs and and ask them also to do exactly what we're about ready to do. You have to let go of your judgments. You have to have an open mind. You've got to be ready to just learn and live and have a good time. Otherwise, you could be disappointed just like anybody else. And um, 
I always tell people, people say to me all the time, you know, well, tourism can also create negative stereotypes. And I said, that's right, if it's not guided in, in, the, in the proper way, because um, let's say you go to Mexico, for example, and you're sitting in a restaurant and you, you order a meal and it takes an hour and all of a sudden you're, you're mad, you know, and you're sitting there and going, why does it take these people so long? And when you come home, the next thing is, you know, well, all Mexicans are lazy. They don't, they don't work hard. And as opposed to having that experience guided by somebody and saying, hey, you know, this is an opportunity to experience corn tortillas that are made by corn by hand and they prepare foods a lot different than we do. These indigenous peoples have a completely different concept of time. and So we do a lot of interacting and playing and, and, and thinking when when we're traveling as a group and we talk about it a lot. We talk about it before we go. We talk about when we come back because there's an enormous cultural shock when you come home as well. And and it can be a bad thing, too, is coming home after an experience like that, but we need to turn it into a positive thing, what they've just experienced. So there's a, in this kind of tourism, someone doesn't just pay the dollars, sign up for the trip, go on it with their guide, and then come home, and that's the end of their experience. It's kind of a continuous community. I always say that we have... A, you know, cricket trails junkies, they become a little bit addicted to us once they get home because they feel like they've had such a profound experience. They need to keep that in a community of people that they can share it with. A lot of times you come home, you feel like nobody can completely understand what I just experienced and I need to talk to people who get it. So we have, we do a lot of events all year round here in the Seattle community. Unfortunately for our people who come from afar, it's harder, but we try to keep in touch with them online and then to interact with stuff online, but at home, so people can come together to events, fun fun events, events that help us raise money for some of the projects we're doing. We call them fundraisers and not fundraisers. We like to have a good time together and um, get out and do fun things and re-experience those moments we had together and let some of our travelers who went back in 1998 talk with people who are going today about the same experience in the same community. So now, when you're talking I'm, about Oh, go ahead, Steve. I'm just gonna pick up uh Tammy on what you were saying about the um putting the judgments aside and remaining open as people go to have these new experiences and it just made me wonder too if at the same time people are having experiences that because of that openness that that give them new insight and make new connections in their own creative lives that come back and sort of have made big life changes because of these experiences they've had in a new place that that have created new connections for them are are other examples of that where this sort of absolutely absolutely i mean that that is what ultimately almost happens to everybody who comes on the programs and it's one of our almost taglines in our marketing materials is go over and experience some that some other place and come back and know yourself better and um i think a lot of people you know it's funny the community members always ask me why would somebody pay money to fly from so far away to come visit us we're so poor we have nothing what can we possibly have to offer and I tell them, you know, there's some things in, the, in America that we've lost that we really want to get back. And those are things like family, community, you know, and simplicity of life, what's important to us, how, how to make ourselves happy. And they learn that from you. They learn that. They see that when they come to a community. You know, you may 
see poverty, but what we see is, is people living happily and um, and sharing their lives with us. And, and a lot of people come home seeing, in particular, simplicity is a huge thing. I know for myself, every time I go to the community we visit in India, I come home and purge my entire house. And um, thinking, I don't need this anymore. You know, I haven't used it in two years. Why do I even have this? And I think a lot of people go through that. And I often get these phone calls after our, our after a big trip where somebody, they may be in tears on the phone, but uh, the, the big one I always give is, I, I'm going to kill you. you. You make me want to quit my job so I can get something new and be happy again. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if I take pride in that or not, but a lot of people have moved on to new, new, new worlds for themselves once they come home, so it certainly is profound. Well, uh, my question I was going to ask is about your working with teachers. I wonder uh, about that experience and how uh, what teachers particularly get out of the experience of community-based travel and what they they talk about in terms of working with their students when they come back. I think it just allow for teachers in particular. We do a lot of high school programs. We've done middle school programs, and in particular, we do a lot of study abroad with the university programs. And um, I think one of the things that it, it does for the program itself is we have so many networks and connections in countries. For example, I mean, you probably read in my bio, I've spent the last 20 years living, working, and traveling in Peru. It's, it definitely is my second home. When I come back to Seattle, people, my friends in Peru say, when are you coming home again? <clears throat> and um, I think that um, those kinds of networks allow us to create programs with schools and universities that get them into real-life situations of the things that they may be studying back at home in the classroom. And so they get the example to see sustainable technologies at work or global health issues or, you know, um, we do a lot of projects. So not only do they usually teachers and professors come to us and say, this is what I'm studying, this is really what I want my students to get uh, an understanding of and how can we build that into a fun and a creative experience. And so that's the kind of program that we do. And I love doing that when a professor comes to me and say, okay, great, I just had someone, a professor, um, come to me and say, I'm, I'm, I'm a native of Ethiopia. I want to take my students to Ethiopia. Here's the program I'm thinking of, and the program was definitely just hitting the major tourist sites and he's like how can we make this much more of a learning experience for my students and you know within two seconds I was like I have these communities that we work with we can do a service project these communities we have these great nonprofits overseas that could introduce us to some of the major issues you know we can look at sustainable coffee harvest we can look at and so we just we went on for like 10 minutes just talking about all the in-depth things we could incorporate into the program and of course then we had to decide how we were going to cut out some of that wonderful experiences. Thank you. And I also uh, I realize that we're going to run out of time. There's so many questions I have. But one is about food and creativity and play and travel. It must be a delight to try different foods in various places that you travel and, um, and to be able to experience that and bring that, some of that back to the U.S. and play with it here. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the most fun things that we do is the creativity and food. And 
I have to say I, I err on a little bit of the less cautious side when eating other, you know, things and that's because you can't experience a country fully without actually experiencing its food. So much is a part of who we are and how we live is, is how we create food and so we do get involved in ceremonial food production. I mean, for example, in, in Peru there's a festival called or a food feast called the Pachamanco, which is all about celebration and it's cooked underground and we may be eating, you know, guinea pig as part of the dinner or, you know, in, in the Amazon we may be only hunting for our food if it's appropriate for the region or you know, so it is it becomes part of the experience. As a matter of fact, in a lot of our itineraries, you'll see today we're going to go out fishing with the community to supplement the rice dish or, you know, whatever, and that becomes part of the experience of the travel. And that's what you do for the day. And sometimes for some communities, it is a full day's work just to create food, especially in indigenous communities. But even when we're in cities, you know, I mean, there's such an amazing amount of differences in the way we prepare food. And, we have a lot of fun in New Delhi going through the spice markets, if you can imagine. And, of course, everybody wants to bring home saffron or other pieces of the, the spices that they can create in their own food at home. So, And when we do get home, a lot of people, our groups will get back together and, hey, let's have a big Thai feast and we'll prepare Thai food together and get together and talk about our travel experience. Thank you, Tim. Make me long for that food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, you've mentioned a couple times the sustainability connection and also that that was some of your, your graduate work. And I was at an event this past weekend in Connecticut that talked about the role of trying to bring sustainable practices into the design industry and not just in the sort of graphics design and printing part, but in the broader design of of different things in our lives. And I'm just wondering if you are working through the example of, of Crooked Trails to help sort of change some of these practices in the broader travel industry and, and kind of what, what that looks like. What is sustainability in the travel industry looking like? Absolutely. And matter of fact, when I got done with my master's thesis work, that was my goal. I, I wasn't planning on creating a company like Crooked Trails. I, we really wa- I really wanted to work with the industry and offer workshops and show people how to take smaller steps toward a more sustainable type tourism or a more responsible type tourism. And and my initial feedback from the industry was great because ecotourism was just getting off the ground and people were all fired up. And I was realizing that environmental sustainability, in a sense, was starting to get some um, media attention in the tourist industry, but cultural sustainability was not. And that's what I really wanted to focus on, although my background's heavily in the environment, so I, I was presenting that as well. And people were very interested, but, you know, I don't think that the tourism market was ready for it back then. I got a lot of no's when I really started heading out, and the frustration led me and my business partner to create Crooked Trails. We're like, if people can't do this, then we can. And um, But now it, it's a lot more people are interested, and I think it, it has a lot to do with demand. A lot more people are asking for a much more meaningful, much more non-destructive type of tourism. People inherently, I believe, tourists do not want to be disrespectful or destructive to the environment when they travel. It's not what they're going out there to do, but a lot of times they just don't know. They may book with a company who doesn't have um, any kind of an ethical concern about 
using somebody else's country and resources to create, you know, their business. But um, so we do a lot of tourist education um, to try to get people aware. And we also are trying to share our model and idea with anybody, any company out there who wants to make this a part of what they do. We can do it easier by partnering with them and offering their clients this experience, or we can help them build this experience in their company. And it's, it's part of our, our nonprofit educational mission is to work with other companies, other nonprofits, other you know, tour operators to help them get to where we are because the more people who are involved in this kind of travel where we are trying to minimize our effects, environmental effects, our negative economic impacts, our negative cultural impacts, um, the more people involved, the more people who will come to us, you know, the more people who will start this kind of travel if it becomes more, you know, available. I think it's hard to find us. I think when people finally find Crooked Trails, they're like, oh, my God, this is what I've been looking for for the longest time. So I think that there needs to be more of us. There needs to be more of this kind of travel. To I mean, that was my original goal when we started. I wanted to see the tourist industry change. And we don't even have to work on this side. We've got to work in all the other countries with all the small operators, too. So it's going to be a big job. (laughs) Well, Tammy, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Tammy. Tammy Leland is co-founder and international program director for Crooked Trails. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com and follow us on Facebook. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dalbert. And I'm Mary Long. Thank you, Tammy, for being with us today. Thanks a lot.